Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome in, everybody, to The Dominator. My name is Billy Musio, your host. I am joined by a very special guest today, Dave Richards of CBS Sports. He's the senior fantasy writer over there. Prior to that, he was a senior producer at NFL.com. He is a brandly minted FSWA 2023 Hall of Fame inductee. Congratulations, Dave. And also, side note, he invented the internet. Welcome to the show, Dave. Uh, glad to have you on as we discuss our rankings and projections. You know, I... Fantasy football analysts are growing in number. And as they grow, you know, you start to pay attention a little bit to people. And, I, you know, three years ago, Billy, we probably knew who I knew who you were. You knew who I was, but we never really talked. And so last year at the Kings Classic in Canton, Ohio, I finally met you, drafted with you, and I've always been impressed with you. And so now having the opportunity, to, to talk fantasy with you for an hour. It's something we've never done. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I'm looking forward to learning something along the way. And maybe, maybe I'll be able to teach you something too. And uh, everybody that's watching and listening, they'll be better off for it. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining, Dave. And because you created the internet, you blessed us with the ability to be able to have this conversation because <laughs> without it, we would not be able to, to meet up virtually <laughs> and, right. and 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 have that discussion. Uh, speaking of the Kings Classic, how did your team do? I know we were trying to get a trade done throughout the season. Uh, oh. We, were, we, we oh. weren't able to pull the trigger. How did you? I, oh, we weren't able to pull the trigger. Do you remember what the offers that I was getting back from you for Justin <laughs> Fields were, Billy? Uh, uh, you know that that was a a foggy time in my memory. I'm not oh, sure. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well. I, I don't remember which POS on your bench you were offering in exchange for Justin Fields at the time, but, but you were, it, I, I almost want to say Darius Slayton, but maybe Slayton was too good for, for Justin Fields. And I get the rationale behind it because you don't ever want to give up anything good for a quarterback. Yeah. But it, come on, man, it was Justin Fields. And I'm kind of glad I didn't trade you Justin Fields. Two reasons. Number one, I had Josh Allen, which is why Fields was expendable, but Josh Allen, had the elbow injury um, that there was a chance he was going to miss some games. And I think there was a week or two along the way where I started fields over Allen anyway. 
And number two, I didn't want your team to be good. I didn't want your team. I didn't want to face your team in the playoffs because you had built a roster that was like set to explode right around the time the playoffs started. And you were just good enough to be one of the playoff teams in the Kings classic. So I, I, I ultimately decided, no, I'm not going to accept your low ball offer. Number one. And two, I don't want you to have Justin Fields, even if you did make me a good offer for him, because I didn't want to lose to you in the playoffs. Uh, how did I do in the Kings classic? I won the snake division and uh, just, just an, a really fortunate run made a couple of trades, one of which really went my way and uh, good free agent moves, including picking up Justin Fields off the waiver wire. Once somebody generously dropped him after the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I had the, I should say, let me rephrase this. My Achilles heel all year was a quarterback position. It seemed like no matter who I picked up, either got hurt or underproduced. Um, I remember seeing your stacked quarterback room and saying, okay, he is not going to be able to hold these two all season long. And I was very much mistaken. I, you know, it feels got really hot. And then I knew that you weren't going to be, you know, letting fields go for cheap. It was worth, I say, at least worth the attempt to, to throw, you know, explicit on the wall and see if anything stuck, you know, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, you know, you're too smart of a man to, to ever accept that low ball of offer. But I was hoping to maybe, you know, at least be able to come to middle ground. um, But, uh, unfortunately, it was not going to happen because I no. would have had to given up some 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 key piece of my team that was sure. designed in order, you know, to 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 explode in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the quarterback position held me back, but I did I did have a pretty good set of you know running backs and receivers. Oh my goodness! I'm looking at your team right now, and I can't believe you went seven and seven in the regular season. Um, for everybody for everybody watching, l- listen to this, and remember this is last year. DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley at running back. Listen to these wide receivers. Oh, my. How did you do this? DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London, who was great toward the end of the year. And then on your bench, well, I guess you were starting DJ Chark because you have to start three flexes. Basically, in this league, it's 14 teams. Anybody that has a pulse and gets like four targets a game is a starter. So DJ Chark was on your team. You had Claypool on your bench. Marvin Jones, that's who you offered me. Marvin Jones or Justin <laughs> And if I had accepted that, I, I just, I, you would have lambasted me. The world would have lambasted me. There was no way. I think um, I threw. It wasn't just Marvin Jones. I think there was a yeah, quarterback. I think it was just Marvin Jones, Billy. <laughs> no, you weren't. You wouldn't even thrown in Latavius Murray or Hunter Henry. It was Marvin Jones for Justin Fields. Well, I listen. I appreciate you. <laughs> I, and you had the best. Listen, I had a team with both Bucks receivers, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett. Your receivers were, I think, better than mine. Um, fun, a fun fact. I had Austin Eckler in both of my Kings classic teams and the, the auction league that we do, I got off to a terrible start. So I made a kind of like a pseudo panic trade just so I wouldn't finish in last because there's relegation in our league. Yeah. Where if you finish in last, you don't get to sit at the big boy table. Gone. And, uh, I, I, I had to fight for it cause I still like playing at the big boy table and I traded Eckler in that league to, to Bob Harris and Bob won the league with Eckler. And I just wonder, like if I'd gotten off to a decent start, could I have swept the Kings classic? That would have been amazing. Oh yeah. And, and you know, who almost did was Dom Centurino, mm-hmm. who is one of the sharpest that's out there. And he made the finals in both Kings classic leagues and he lost in both. Heartbreaking for poor Dom. 
I would just like to defend my offer real quick for those. Oh who, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> for those, for those Let's who are listening, <laughs> those who are listening, Dave hit the, you know, he was, he was on point when he said that there's anyone with a pulse is on lineups. Page one of the free agent list has Todd Gurley still at the running back position. That's how, <laughs> that's how ugly the free agents are in this league. So offering Marvin Jones, and I believe it might have been a quarterback. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put my my honor on it right now. But but offering that for Fields had it. I had my reasonings. It was definitely a bad offer, but it, it, I had reasons for not wanting to offer too much more because I'm scouring through. The waiver wire adding, you know, Todd Gurley and David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Enough about 2022. People are here for 2023. Yeah. Let's uh, turn I, that page. Let, let's, let's, let's definitely turn the page into our rankings. Let's start off the running back position. Um, we will touch base on some of these free agent signings that are affecting uh, some of these rankings as well. Um, but some of these are just talk about situation and to talk about maybe improvements or I should say maybe regression with these offenses. And let's start off with Najee Harris running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he comes in my run- running back rankings as running back 13. He comes in as yours as running back 10. ECR is uh, in between us at running back 12. The question is, will the Steelers be improved in 2023? And how is it going to affect the ranking for Najee Harris? I, I think the more they do to try and improve their offensive line, uh, the better it'll be for Najee Harris. But I was encouraged by, by how he finished last year, Billy. Last five games, 15.6 PPR points per game, plenty of touchdowns along the way. You, If you watched him play, you know that he's not one of the most explosive running backs in the league. He might be on the third tier of such a category, but he is probably on that first tier of running backs who get an opportunity. And so here's a guy who played through a foot issue that may have cleared up by the time we got to December and kept getting a lot of work most weeks. And I subscribe to that when it comes to a running back. If you've got, if you're a running back, that's going to regularly get 15 touches a game and get opportunities at the goal line, then yes, you not only belong on a fantasy team, you should probably be a priority on draft day. And so Najee Harris for me is someone that I still view as a low end RB one uh, full PPR, non-PPR, doesn't matter. He's going to get those chances to to pick up numbers. And until that changes, I'm fine having him as a uh, as a, as like a round two-ish pick. I, it's not going to be round three. If you get him in round three, that's a great steal. But round two is where I would expect Najee Harris to go at this point. And I would trust in the Steelers to keep feeding him. Yeah, you were on point here. So weighted opportunities, uh, he was running back number eight, an opportunity share. That's uh, for those listening, that is the running back carries plus targets. He was running back number 10 at 69.9%. Um, carries alone, 272 last year, that's 16 per game. I was running back five in the league, 53 targets running back 18 in the league and very uh, heavily utilized inside the red zone with 46. And that was running back number six. So the opportunity... Uh, per se, is not something that we have ever doubted with Najee. He is, uh, by definition, the bell cow, right? And the, I guess the question is, is how much will the Steelers' offense improved with another year um, with, with, with another year in the quarterback on the offense with this team kind of coming together? Um, they now have their, their wide receiver corps kind of situated. Do we expect 
the offense to pass a little bit more in 2023, or do we expect them to continue to utilize um, Najee Harris as that bell cow and to lean on him? I think that we'll, I think we'll see them try and expand the, the passing for Kenny Pickett. I think that they'll develop some confidence in Pickett. Pickett himself will be more confident in his second season. He was, he was a mess as a passer. Well, compared obviously to the rest of the league, but even compared to his own expectations, I can't imagine that he felt good about where he ended up in his rookie season, but he was a rookie and it's still an offense that isn't perfect. And they're trying to work it out with Matt Canada as their play caller. It's a franchise that's known to be very patient with their coaches. They don't like to just uh, recycle coaches like a lot of other franchises Mm -hmm. do. That's a credit to Pittsburgh. And so I I think that they'll be able to figure it out. Um, I'm optimistic that their passing game will see a little bit more volume and that they're going to force defenses to play them a little more honestly. And that should work out for Najee Harris. I think that that'll make it a little bit easier for him to run without linebackers crashing on him on every single play. It'll make them a little bit less predictable. And it should hopefully, fingers crossed, create more scoring opportunities for Harris. But the thing above all is that I think he'll be healthier next year. He came into the year. He had a foot issue, a plate in his cleat. We, we didn't really get the full idea of what was wrong with him. But you could tell there, he, he didn't look the same yeah. from the first like nine, 10 weeks of the season until like December, the end of the year. He looked a little bit better. Not that he's ever going to be just an absolute blazer on the field, but physical runner, tough, picking up extra yardage little quick bursts out of his cuts. Those are things that we saw from him at college that we didn't really see at the beginning of 2022. Yeah. Things that I expect for the Steelers offense to improve upon is going to be, and you, you touched base on it was game script, right? We're expecting to be a little bit more efficient. You know, the last year they were at, you know, minus 2.99. It was 25th in the league in efficiency. And so I do expect them to get, you know, better in that category, which in turn should help Najee. Um, I, I, I think we're, you know, our rankings here, we're splitting hairs, you know, 13 and 10. And uh, overall, we both have them in that RB1 category. Um, I think that uh, as we continue to get news throughout camp, we'll be able to have, uh, we'll probably come closer in these numbers altogether. Let's move along to Brees Hall now, running back for the Jets. Uh, the big question is, will he be ready in time? Uh, in my rankings, running back 14. Uh, your running back rankings, running back 8. ECR is at running back 10. So again, splitting the difference between us. Assuming by your rank, you are expecting... Brees Hall to be ready for week one. Oh, if he's ready for week one, then yeah, that's pretty much where my ranking would be. But if he can somehow make that big leap in his recovery, that very few players tend to do when they come back from a torn ACL, let me say very few non quarterbacks tend to do, then uh, this might be low. I'm so infatuated with the talent. And now that Aaron Rodgers is added to this offense, there's just, there's so much potential for a running back who averaged just over 16 PPR points per game last year, Billy, he's got, he's got RB one upside. If he's right, if his knees are okay, it's just that big. If, and we, we don't know for sure. And I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable having him ranked as high as I do because we've seen it from a bunch of other running backs in the past where they don't come back so easily from this. And they almost need a full calendar year of just playing for them to feel like their old self. But don't tell that to Adrian Peterson, because once upon a time, he came back from a torn ACL and he was on fire. Is Brees Hall the same type of guy? I don't know if I ever want to call anybody the same type of guy as Adrian Peterson, because when Peterson played, he was outstanding. But I I really love the talent. I love that he's going to be 22. Love the fit. Love everything that's up with Brees Hall, except for the fact that he tore his darn ACL last year. Hopefully he'll be ready to go. 
let's see what happens and what he looks like in August. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned that you were a little uncomfortable having him as high as you did. I'm a little uncomfortable having him as low as I do. And it's because of the talent, right? You just you just said it. He is so explosive. And you look back at his, you know, fantasy points and productions last year. You know, week one, I write off as a rookie campaign. Week two, he was running back 14 in fantasy points. Week three, he was running back 13. Week four, running back 15. Week five, running back four. Week six, running back six. And then he gets hurt and he still comes out as running back 22 the next week. The talent is is there. He's a generational talent. When I did his comp. Uh, video last year, I was comparing him to generational talents, including Herschel Walker. And I thought that he has the ability to be that great. And we saw that in his rookie campaign, the unfortunate situation of the ACL is the, is the, you know, the ultimate deciding factor here of where does he land in our ranks? We're both uncomfortable because we know that the talent is there. We're both you know, sitting here in a situation, hoping for news, being able to kind of pinpoint where we're going to have him. If I knew today that he was ready for week one, he's healthy. He's definitely inside my top 10. I feel like I'm hedging a bit here at running back 14, um, especially with, you know, the Rogers, you know, going to, to going to be in New York here once they're finalizing the deal. Um, I, I just have some hesitance with the ACL. And you said it earlier, yes. unless the yeah, name is, that. Unless your name is Adrian Peterson, right? He came off the, I think that was the only player in the last X amount of years that has come back off an ACL and finished as a top 20 running back. Um, That's my fear. I do think, though, that Hall has it in him to break that trend uh, and is definitely a generational talent to be able to um, compete with the best and to be able to, to break the top 20, even if it is limited the first four weeks, three weeks, maybe they ease him back into things is, is kind of my reasoning here inside my rank. Um, but you looking at the numbers, you know, number one in juke rate, number one in yards per touch, you know, number two in breakaway rate at 11.3%. And yes, we have a smaller sample size, but this just touches the surface of the elite ability that we have with Brees Hall and what he can become in the NFL. So uh, love him. Not going to argue with your rank. Not going to. I don't. I don't think you'd argue with mine. We both know that this is all due to injury, and in due time, we shall see. I mean, there's no question that we've got it in pencil in our <laughs> rankings because we want to see what he looks like when training camp starts. If he's back, you know, heaven forbid it ends up being like J.K. Dobbins when Dobbins came back from his injury this year. Took forever to get him on the field, and then the very first video we see of him during practice, he's still limping around. It, it made you want to run away from him. And yet Dobbins was probably worth hanging on to all year just to have that good stretch toward the end of the season. So I would say that there's two, two real, I don't know if I want to call them speed bumps, stop signs, I don't know, brick walls, whatever the hell that would slow us down on Brees Hall. Number one is the ACL and the recovery. We just don't know. We don't know what he's going to look like by the time we get to July and August. But number two is what's the overriding philosophy of this coaching staff in general? These are all guys from San Francisco. And so they believe that multiple running backs is the way to go. It was one of the reasons why I was nervous to push Brees Hall up last year was because I was worried that they would still find ways to limit his work and to give more to Michael Carter. Now, it didn't end up happening. They said, hey, we can't let this stud go without giving him the ball a lot. Let's keep it going. And I'm proud of them for doing that. But they might be very cautious with Brees Hall to begin the season. And so there's, there's a real chance here that even if he looks okay in training camp, Billy, that they limit him maybe through the first six weeks of the season. And then at that point, 
hopefully, fingers crossed for Jets fans, they're five and one, something like that. And they say, okay, let's let's unleash this kid. He's feeling fine. We're feeling fine. The offensive line's healthy. That's when you could start getting RB one overall production from Brees Hall. So it, it'll end up being a risk reward type of deal when you draft him. But don't be surprised if we get to August, if he looks okay, to see Brees Hall go as a first round pick, even coming off the top. Yeah, I, I I love the call out to you know them resting. And my projections, I have him as four weeks of of limited action just because one we anticipate rogers being there they're probably going to lean on the passing game they also they still have bam knight they also still have carter who are capable backs knight showed you know flashes last year although they have no draft capital tied to him real really so they're able to you know dispose of him if needed that being said i do expect them to lean on those two backs early in the season as we see carter not carter as we see uh Brees hall get up to speed and he's able to to kind of you know shed the mental break of the ACL tear as well. Um, moving on, let's go to Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, one of my favorite running backs this year. Uh, th- the hesitance, I should say, inside my ranking only is because, one, he's with Bill Belichick in New England. And as we all know, we should never trust a running back with Bill Belichick. Is this the year that we can trust Ramondre Stevenson? Are they going to re-sign Harris? I don't think so now that they got J-Rob on a you know two-year deal um is that writing on the wall that harris is gone i think so um although how much guaranteed money is tied to james robinson do you happen to have that type of detail available uh if you look it up and you find it let me know if you stall enough for me i can find it uh let me talk about ramondre stevenson and, (laughs) and why i'm nervous about him although yeah you basically mentioned the genesis of it we know that the patriots coaching staff here, here, this isn't just the philosophy of the Patriots coaching staff, Bill. This is the philosophy of every coaching staff in the league. They want to use multiple running backs. They want to keep their guys healthy, use a back and forth between them, be it, you know, you're going to work running downs and you're going to work passing downs, or you're both going to work running and passing downs and you're going to alternate series or you'll alternate based on how the running backs coach feels, whatever it is. A lot of teams will do that until... They find their guy until they get their Christian McCaffrey, their Saquon Barkley, maybe their Brees Hall. And in the case of the Patriots, do they look at Ramondre Stevenson and say, okay, you're absolutely going to be our main guy. And their last two games of 2022 kind of proved that he was not. He had played 57 and 49% of the snaps. In one game, he only saw four targets, six in the other. That's pretty good, but only eight carries in one, six carries in the other. That's not so good. I think Ramondre Stevenson could be a three-down back. I am not sure the Patriots want to begin the season leaning on Ramondre Stevenson to be that guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to add talent at running back, have a competition for it, and if James Robinson ends up looking like the way James Robinson looked toward the end of last season, he's not going to make the team. But there's other running backs on this team that I think do have a glimmer of hope to contribute, and there could always be one that the Patriots draft. And Belichick, you know this, and they just did this with Robinson. They love giving veterans an opportunity to come in and prove themselves. They've been doing it at every position for years, and it wouldn't surprise me if they add yet another running back along the way. And you know what? If Damian Harris ends up not signing a deal anywhere else and he takes a one-year prove-it deal with New England, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back on a cheapy deal, something like that. So. I've got Ramondre 
out of my top 12 at running back. If we get to mid-August and it's clear that he's the guy, then obviously I will move him back up. But I'm just more comfortable calling him a top 15 running back for now until I see more evidence that he's going to actually be a three-down workhorse in the Patriots offense without injuries being a factor because we saw him as a three-down workhorse when injuries were a factor last year, and he was great. But the Patriots got away from that late last season when the games really meant something. Yeah, my ranking is kind of dependent on uh, Damian Harris being gone. I'm I'm projecting him to 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 not be with the Patriots. This was this projection was was done um, with I updated it with James Robinson on the team. I am anticipating Pierre Strong to be the RB two at least the the or the change of pace back um, inside this offense. Based on, we saw that explosive game that he had last year and loved his tape coming out of college. I think that they give the kid another chance. I think that the James Robinson signing um, is to bring a level of competition for that number two spot. I don't think it's going to be questioning. I don't think it's going to question the um, carries or the targets or the opportunity of, of Stevenson. Um, I did find that guaranteed money. It was 2.36 million guaranteed of the 6 million. So not that, not that big of a deal. All things considered. Yeah. And so not even 1% of the salary gap. Yeah. So I think that that, speaks to me knowing that number a little bit more as well kind of reinforces my my thought that he was going to be brought in for competition for um for strong and for kevin harris as well um so i i am anticipating stevenson being that bell cow back last year weighted opportunities number six snap share running back 65 percent snap share you know running back 12 again a lot of these numbers are to your point um opportunities based upon injury um, the number that is hard for me to overlook, even if it was based upon opportunity, is targets. We saw him at a 17.5% target share, 89 targets last year. Yep. He was number three in the league in targets for all running backs. We just saw them get rid of Jacoby Myers. Yes, they added Juju, but the rest of this wide receiver court leaves a lot to be desired, right? We still have Hunter Henry on the team. They got rid of John Smith. There's a lot of targets up for grabs. And we know that this offense, or let's just say this team, is still looking for another receiver they're going to need another receiver if they want to compete at least or or bring a balance uh in attack to this team but i still think that Ramondre stevenson is going to be one of the focal points in the offense in the passing game we saw him as that outlet for mac jones and for bailey zappy last year i think that trend continues i don't think they're fully comfortable enough to let uh mac jones just air the ball out i was ex- hoping to or as i should say expecting that to happen a little bit more last year and it didn't um, I don't think it's going to happen, and at least in the first half of 2023, if we see strides and gains from Mac Jones, maybe towards the second half. But I'm expecting them to lean on Ramondre Stevenson, given that Harris is gone. Logic. They could. It's it, they could. It's possible. We just you- have to see what they do and and how he looks along the way. All right. Next running back we're going to talk about is Alvin Kamara. Elephant in the room is his possible pending suspension oh, right um uh, i mean that's one how many elephants can we fit into this room <laughs> yeah there's a lot of elephants they also signed that Jamal might be Williams. the biggest one but let, let's just start you know marching them in billy <laughs> all right let's go one elephant after the number other one is a suspension what's elephant number two i think elephant number two is jamal williams now right uh sure they, they, we saw what he did with swift at the goal line last year and and the the touchdown touchdowns that he had was 17 don't quote me but i think that's what the number was from last year 
He also has Taysom Hill, who's vulturing carries and also goal line. So in my opinion now, I've like reduced the amount of touchdowns that Alvin Kamara is going to see significantly because of Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill. So red, red, red zone and goal line now is, is I think elephant number three, right? We also have, we also have new quarterback elephant number four. You, You want to continue? Well, I mean, just not, we we've now seen this is the ghost of an elephant. What did the first year without Sean Payton in New Orleans do to Alvin Kamara? It made him less utilized to our liking most weeks in fantasy, and it made him less of a threat right at the goal line. So I think we're up to five elephants. Oh, I, I can think of a six elephant. How old is Alvin Kamara? What is he? Twenty eight. Is he 28? I think he's, I believe he will be. I'm going to double check this. I'm going to tell you right now. He is going to be 28 years old as of September 10th, 2023. That's week one of the NFL season. So getting older, maybe getting suspended. I don't even know if there, we should say maybe in front of that. That video did not look good. And getting minimized in his offense. I kind of hate where I have him ranked right now, <laughs> but I, I, I can't help but also weigh in the fact that he's been a talented player for a long time, and he should still see a pretty high opportunity share. Uh, I there's no question he's the most explosive running back that New Orleans has. You know they bring in Jamal Williams, and that's just another vulture at, at the goal line, and it's not somebody that I would expect to play anything more than the type of role that Mark Ingram had. But it means that there is another guy in the Mark Ingram role. And so, like, I look at my rankings and I see Alvin Kamara in the 20s at running back, and I look at some running backs behind him, and there, there, there's no, there's a part of me that wants to sink him to like 40. Like, I just don't want to take him. And I think if I can name six elephants in the room on a running back, that should be justification enough <laughs> to not have him as a top 24 running back. So that's one that I've really got to go back to the drawing board. But then push comes to shove. Am I really taking Rashad Penny over Alvin Kamara? Am I really taking AJ Dillon over Alvin Kamara? And I'm not saying I have to sink him all the way into the 40s. What if I just sink him into the late 20s? Am I taking James Conner over Alvin Kamara? If I had done that last year, I would have looked like a sinking genius. But James Conner is basically the same age, and who knows if he's going to have the same role in an offense that could be really, really ugly in Arizona. So I, I just have a hard time finding the running backs to confidently put ahead of, of Alvin Kamara. One that I recently did, and I've got no question about it is David Montgomery going to Detroit. He's going to be in, in the old Jamal Williams role and maybe even get a little bit more than what Jamal Williams got. And he can still score touchdowns. That's a no brainer to me to put Montgomery over Alvin Kamara. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but opportunities matter. Situations matter. Kamara's opportunities are going to dry up. Kamara comes in as my running back 32 in my projections. You're running back 20. You just mentioned hesitance. Um, all the elephants in the room. I think we just created a model. We can't direct. Are you comfortable with him being your RB3 on your team right now, given all the elephants? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. And that's, you know what? I'm not ranking B. John Robinson yet. That's an easy guy to put in. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if a team goes and there's a right fit for, Charbonnet or for Jameer Gibbs, then those guys will go ahead of Alvin Kamara too. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So I updated the rankings last night. I do have David Montgomery ahead of Alvin Kamara. He's eight spots ahead to be exact. 24 in my rankings. Alvin Kamara, 32. How about Jamal Williams? So interesting here, right? So same team. Similar elephants. However, one's not pending a suspension. Where does Jamal fall in your rankings? Would you say it's around the same area as Alvin Kamara? Or slightly behind? Oh, I've got him way behind. Way behind. Okay. Way behind. I, I'm not sure he's going to be any. First of all, you're counting on him getting as many touchdowns as he had last year. Does he even get half as many? Yeah. Remember, he still, Williams is also going to be sharing, not just with Alvin Kamara, but with Taysom Hill. Yes. And so th- that makes me less certain about Jamal Williams even having, let's be generous, eight touchdowns. And then how many carries is he going to get a game? Sure, he'll start off the year if Kamara suspended as the main running back for the Saints. But I, I, go look at his metrics. He wasn't an explosive running back at all. Right. He really hasn't been for a long time. Now, he's a fun guy. He's got a lot of energy. He's a good glue guy in the locker room and you know loves to play catch with fans before the games. I don't get fantasy points for glue. I don't get fantasy points for playing catch with the fans. I don't get fantasy points for him being into um, poke, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and all that other stuff. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm 46. I'm old. But I, I, I worry about him being anything more than like a bench running back on my fantasy team. And I think I can find 36 other running backs I'd rather take that chance on than Jamal Williams, even right now. And by the time the draft comes around, he'll be pushed down even more. So I'm probably going to come out as somebody that will let other people take Jamal Williams. If, if, if your people are going after him in rounds eight and nine, hey, that's great. You're going to take him. I'm not going to get him. Round 10 would be the earliest that I would consider Jamal Williams. So interesting you said round 10. Alvin Kamara has been falling to round 10 inside of drafts as of late. Um, at that point, I'm very comfortable taking him. The risk reward at that point is, 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 as you say, minimal, right? I think that he's going to outproduce that ADP, especially if he's able to avoid the suspension. So let's, let's play devil's advocate here. At okay. least if we knew today, or maybe not devil's advocate, but I, I, I can't think of the correct terminology right now, but let's just say that he has no suspension. It's announced tomorrow he's not suspended. How far up does Alvin Kamara shoot up draft boards and how far up does he shoot up your rankings? Without the suspension, I, I don't know if I'm moving him at all. Okay. Because that's how high I have him. And it's all we're doing, Billy, is removing one elephant. <laughs> There's still five more. I, I can't, I can't do it. I think I, it's almost like I have him ranked as if he's not suspended and that he will still see uh, an uptick of, of targets. Not just what he saw last year, but somehow up from there with Derek Carr, which he might. Derek Carr's had a tendency of throwing to his running backs. You can look at his last three years. He's been over 20% each of those years. That's a positive. you know. And it was just something that Jameis Winston could never really nail down. And then I don't know why Andy Dalton couldn't really nail it down as much as we had wanted to or what we had seen before in the past. Um, I, I think I almost have him ranked exactly where he would be if he was not suspended. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think... 
um, my ranking, of course, would change at 32. I think I would have him probably in that 16 to 20 range. So closer to where you have him right now. I definitely think you're right. A lot of elephants still in the room uh, at that point, though. No, now we know his opportunity share is still going to remain probably top five or six in the league. You know, maybe a slight downtick with Jamal there. His red zone touches were non-existent last year at running back 31. Uh, only, you know, I should say 31 touches running back 29 in the league. So I would expect that to actually go down. So I still think that his targets and his snap share probably remain one of the best in the league, even with Jamal Williams there. So he probably settled in for me about running back 18 to 20. I'd be really close to your ranking. Uh, moving along, let's talk about the Philadelphia backfield. So they they just mm. signed Rashad Penny. They let Miles Sanders walk. Um, they get Penny on a really friendly contract here one year 1.35 million only 600,000 guaranteed Mm -hmm. Uh, max contract comes out to 2.1 million Um, I was really high on Gainwell and with the signing it didn't really adjust my projections that much with Gainwell because I think he's a perfect complimentary piece and I don't expect Penny to play a 14 or 16 game season how do you think this backfield shakes up just to, for for listeners, I have Gainwell 36. You have Gainwell 39. ECR is 44. Penny, I have at 29. You're at 33. Mm-hmm. ECR has not caught up yet with the news. Is that running back 47? Walk me through this backfield and how you how you expect it to shake down. First of all, I, I think I can I, – I, I like what Philadelphia does. And I got an up-close look at them last summer. They, they came down to South Florida for a training camp, a couple of joint practices with the Dolphins. And I, I literally one of the practices I was standing on the sideline while they were practicing. And at no point did they make an effort to give Kenny Gainwell more than one or two carries and it's practice against their own team. So they're not really going to bang a lot of pads, but I, they were rotating even during a, a uh, an inter squad practice. And so I don't think Gainwell is ever going to get to a point where he will be the main guy in the offense but he kind of proved that he can still be a key part of the offense without being the main guy. And so my, my hunch is that they are not done adding running backs. I think they'll add one more. I think they'll draft somebody to go with Penny, to go with Boston Scott. I think Scott resigned. I think he's yep. still there. And then Gainwell is going to be that number two guy, but I think Gainwell is going to be the number two running back, no matter what, unless he proves somehow that he's just an absolute dynamo and, and can be a, a lead back for, for Philadelphia. But more importantly, I, I kind of just want to collect running backs that are on the Eagles because they'll all have a chance to contribute. And that's why I do have Penny ranked ahead of Gainwell, just as you do. And, and what I tweeted out when Penny signed was this. Wherever you're comfortable drafting a player who can help you through the first month of the season, and then after that, you don't know what you're going to get. Whatever round that is, take them. Get them at that round. That's what Rashad Penny should be to you. So. If you're watching this and you're going, all right, I can spare a round five pick on a player that can just help me get off to a good start. Okay, that might be a little too high for me. That's too rich for my blood. That's when you should target Rashad Penny. If you're a little more conservative and you say, well, I'd rather get a bunch of guys that can hopefully help me year round. I'm going to wait till round nine or round 10 to get Rashad Penny on my team. Fine. You now know in your mind where you should get Rashad Penny. I think Penny is a, is a round eight to nine type of pick. I think he's worth it at that price, provided that he's healthy and he makes it through training camp without a nagging injury on his ankle, knee, finger, head. My God, he's like the operation man. He's been beat up so much over his career. 
But when he's been on the field and he's played, oh, Billy, you know as well as I do, he's awesome. And so if I've got a healthy Eagles running back, even if it's only for a month, and I've seen this guy play really well in the past, I, I think round eight's the time where you can take that risk in your draft and then put Rashad Penny on your team. And it's it wouldn't be the end of the world if you didn't get Kenneth Gainwell to go along with him because I just don't see Gainwell being a feature guy if Penny goes down. I just see Gainwell as somebody who will share a lot. But in a PPR league, he's going to catch a few passes every week. He might even do more than that this year. We'll see. Uh, I, I think that Gainwell is someone that's worth having as a bench stash, but that's what he is, is a bench stash, a bi-week replacement, um, around around 9 to 10 type of pick, a guy that you're going to take after Rashad Penny. I wish you could see the chart that I have pulled up in front of me right now of the Penny visual. It's lit up like a Christmas tree for injuries on his lower body. Yeah. All of the injuries that we have here, and it's all listed at player profiler. You, I think the point, though, is that he's so tantalizing, right? The, the talent is there. When we go back to 2021 and we saw that finish that he had down the stretch, weeks 14 through 18, he finished as the RB1 down the stretch in fantasy. He was RB3 that, that week of week 14. Uh, week 15 was only RB38, but then he was you know RB9, RB1, RB4. And he had that type of streak. That's what players keep coming back for. That's the talent that they know that Penny has. Um, I think it's a great compliment to this offense because I don't expect them to give Gainwell the full share. He's too small, right? 5'8", 200 pounds. And so- really, I think that's the key. Yeah. I think we, if we know that, then certainly they know that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do like the usage, though, that we saw from Gainwell in the playoffs. You know, he, he was surprisingly heavily involved in the red zone even given his size, you know, uh, against the Giants in the playoffs, he saw four red zone touches there. He had 121 total yards and a touchdown against SF. He saw three red zone touches, you know, against Kansas City. He saw two red zone touches. So it's surprising to see them utilize him in the fashion that they do because of his size. But it just speaks to his versatility and what he's capable of doing in this offense and his ability to, you know, get open inside. um the flats and and mismatches against linebackers. So I think that this is a great tandem. I have them, like I said, pretty close in my rankings. Um, You have them pretty close in your rankings. And I think Mm -hmm. that we can both agree here that we're seeing things in a similar light. The team probably sees it in a similar light and all things considered, if Penny is able to complete the first half of the season, he could very well outperform this, this ranking of both of us have. However, we're baking in the fact that he's going to have some explosive weeks and we're expecting him to get injured and gain well to be able to kind of come in as that second back and to kind of take the reins and whoever else they draft or bring in for agency to combine with Boston Scott. Let's talk about some receivers now. Um, word on the street, rumor mill is, is that Denver is willing to trade Jerry Judy. Uh, they're saying that they want a first pick a first round pick for him uh if it happens we shall see that being said he comes in my rankings we have some some big gap here in our rankings this is our largest gap so far of the day jerry judah for me wide receiver 30 you're at wide receiver 17 ecr at 27 sell me on jerry judy in his last five games of 2022 this is with russell wilson for most of the games if not all of them i can double check on it he averaged over 20 ppr points per game that's pretty good in his last three games, and this is with Corlin Sutton playing in those games, and I believe two, if not all three of the games were without Nathaniel Hackett, 
he was at 17.6, which is still really good. And so I, I look at Jerry Judy as a number two wide receiver that might be able to put out number one talent or number one production. And I said the word talent because I think he's really talented. I think he's great at getting open. I think the mistakes that we've seen from him for the first two years, that, that it's not what I expected from when he came out of Alabama. I thought he was going to be just a lights out type of receiver. Love the film from Alabama. Um, but the drops as a rookie, the injuries in his second year, uh, the up and down play, uh, which went with all Broncos in 2022, certainly is going to make people nervous about Jerry Judy. What makes me nervous about Jerry Judy are these trade rumors. And that means that somebody in Denver might not love Jerry Judy like I love Jerry Judy. And if if that's the case, then I would say there's a very real chance he ends up on another team and that this ranking will change significantly. But if we get through all of April, March, April, May, June, and he's still on the Broncos, I would imagine he would be the number one receiver on the Broncos, the number one target getter on the Broncos, and a, a receiver with an opportunity to break out and have a big year. So I'm completely comfortable under that scenario taking him as a number two wide receiver, which is how I have him right now. So a couple questions for you. So we know that we have um, a new coaching staff here. Sean Payton comes in, which I think will do wonders for the Broncos and get Russell Wilson back on track. Already has. Yeah. That being it's, said, it's already happened. They are. They also have a new offensive coordinator with Joe Lombardi. Now, if if yeah. if I if my memory serves me right, Michael Thomas had his career year when Lombardi was the offensive coordinator. Lombardi then goes to the Chargers, and we see Mike Williams, who plays the X role, the same role as we saw with Michael Thomas, kind of break out and start to take over that number one spot from Keenan Allen. Yes, there was injuries, and there was other factors there as well. That being said, Sutton plays the X role inside of Denver. Are we expecting that trend to continue, or do you think that Jerry Judy's talent is going to surpass this trend of the X receiver having career years inside of Lombardi offenses. And what does that do for the team's dynamic for these two receivers? I think Judy is capable of playing in the X role. I'm not sure if he's exactly the, the prototypical X type of wide receiver. In fact, he's not, Yeah. but Sean Payton's really, really good at finding the absolute strengths of any player and just repeating them over and over again. How did Michael Thomas become such a great, fantasy asset? Was it because of his deep speed on go routes? Was it because of his double moves on, 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 a, on other routes? Um, or was it because he ran a slant route like 70% of the time and he had great concentration in hands and a great quarterback, by the way, that made a lot of easy throws for him. And then he would make plays after the catch and he would just have crazy volume. That's what he did. And that's the beauty of Sean Payton is he will find the very best things that a player does and he will just find different ways of making that player do that same thing. And it's not one thing. Uh, let's put it this way. If it is one thing, you're not going to play a lot in Denver. But if it's two, three, four things, it, it's just going to be put on repeat. And the receiver, in this case, Jerry Judy, will be more comfortable because he's not going to be asked to do things that are a little bit out of his comfort zone. And so that's part of the beauty of, of being in a Sean Payton offense. The other thing that's nice is that I, I felt, that the, the biggest issue with Russell Wilson last year was that he didn't trust his offensive line yeah. because he, he, it was like there was a ghost in the pocket with him. Maybe it's the same elephant ghost that was in the room with Alvin Kamara that was just coming out and met the snap. And he saw the ghost and he's running around and he's off target and he's jittery. 
I think he'll be playing. I think he'll be more calm this year. They've already addressed the right side of the offensive line in free agency. I think they'll be better. And I think Sean Payton, he's always made it a point, Billy, to have a good offensive line. They still have a good offensive line in New Orleans. Thanks to Sean Payton's insistence on that. And so a good offensive line will make Russ a much calmer passer. That should, in theory, make his accuracy better. That should, in theory, mean that Jerry Judy, who's doing the things that he's the most confident in doing, a more productive receiver in Denver. And I, even if he's not the X in that offense, I still think he's going to get a lot of work. Now, if I could contradict myself for a second, I just said I don't think he's the prototypical X. And if, if Sean Payton sees it that way, that might be why he's trying to move on from Jerry Judy is because what Sean Payton's used to is having that reliable stud X receiver. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that somebody like DeAndre Hopkins is that guy, or maybe he's going to make a play for another receiver around the league. Um, I don't know if there's really an X receiver in this draft that he's going to just go crazy. over. So I'm not sure what he's thinking there about who that X would be for, for Denver in 2023. But it, it this, the rumors and the word on the street might just be evidence that Sean Payton sees Jerry Judy as a good receiver, but not necessarily one that fits into what he does as a play call and as a coach, which he wants to keep doing. So we need to see how it shakes out. And I don't think they're going to give away Jerry Judy for a fourth round pick or anything like that. No, but I, I'm, I think that the only, I think he's got to understand, all right, I'm not going to get what I want for Jerry Judy. I will make the best of it with Jerry Judy. And then maybe his eyes open up in camp and he realizes, hey, Jerry's a hell of a wide receiver. Maybe we should feed him a little bit more. So that's what I, I guess I'm hoping for that to be the case or that I'm dead wrong about how Sean Payton feels about Jerry Judy in the first place and that he wants Judy to be a contributor in his offense. He'll load him up with targets because he's the best receiver that they have. Jerry Judy may not be on the trade block for a fourth round pick, but Calvin Ridley was. They gave up a fourth and a fifth uh Jaguars did I should say for Calvin Ridley he comes in as my wide receiver 36 again your wide receiver 18 so we have some some distance in between these two as well ECR is behind both of us at wide receiver 44 sell me on Calvin Ridley because I just can't get him much higher in my rankings we haven't seen him hit the field since week 7 2021 after that suspension but I want to hear your thoughts here there's a lot of mouths to feed and I hate to use that term because it's Pretty cliche, but it's true here now. We have a lot of mouths to feed inside Jacksonville. How is he going to finish as a top 24 or top 20 receiver that you have inside your rankings? This is a team that loves to throw. They did it last year. I believe they were top 10 in just overall pass rate. This is par for the course with Doug Peterson's offense. And not only is it Doug Peterson's offense, it's Trevor Lawrence's offense. Where's the strength of this unit? It's at quarterback. We saw that in their playoff game against the Chargers. That's how they won that game. They didn't win that game by grinding down with the run. They are going to lean on Trevor Lawrence. It's the whole genesis of why they made the trade with Atlanta in the first place. Ridley averaged 14 PPR points per game in 2021. He was at 18.5 in 2020. A lot of that time, he was on the field with Julio Jones, and he was still getting that type of production. He was top six in targets per game, top 24 in PPR points per game in both 2020 and 2021. And again, that's different offenses and it's true, but it's still a guy that commanded that type of targets. We talk about targets being earned in fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's going to continue to earn those targets. And from what I've gathered, he has spent a lot of the time away from football, working on football. 
And he even posted a video of him running routes in the sand and, and getting himself ready to go. He certainly seems to have the chip on the shoulder. It's not a casino chip. It's just a different type of chip. He's not gambling. He's not going to bet. He's learned his lesson on that. But I, I, I see Calvin Ridley is a, a much better asset than anybody Jacksonville had at wide receiver last year. And it's not meant to disparage Christian Kirk because he was really good. He outperformed expectations. Zay Jones outperformed expectations. I just think Ridley's a better talent. And I think he'll command targets, much like other receivers that we've talked about will command targets in their offense. And I, 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 I sometimes look at Calvin Ridley and I wonder if I'm too low on him and that he might end up being a top 10 receiver in fantasy. And he could hit that 18 PPR point per game mark. I see him being an absolute must um, target contributor in Jacksonville's offense. I also see Jacksonville's run game not really improving. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Tons of upside. Happy to draft him. If I get him in round five, I think I'm going to be pretty happy. So you bring up a lot of good points. Flip side of the coin is he's 28, right? He's you know, he's he's going to be 29 at some point this year. He's now going to be the number one receiver, at least projected to be the number one receiver. The point that you mentioned with Julio Jones and the Falcons and him commanding a share, he was the number two where he was drawing the number two coverage. At 28 years old, taking a year and a half off, now projected to be the number one in the offense, is he going to be able to beat the number one coverage? And is that going to open up more opportunities for Christian Kirk? Are you not concerned with that? Or do you think that um, the amount of efficiency this offense has and the 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 leap that we saw from Trevor Lawrence will kind of combat maybe some of those those concerns that we have for him. I just, I think cream rises to the top here. And the fact that he is with Trevor Lawrence and not with an older Matt Ryan will make a, a huge amount of difference. And, okay. you know, I, I reserve the right to wait until training camp too. If he comes out and he looks like a guy that hasn't played football in over a year, then I'm going to move him down my rankings. Billy. I'm not absolutely, but he, it's not like it's, this isn't like the Michael Thomas thing where Michael Thomas missed so much time because of injuries. Uh, he got caught betting on football. You're not allowed to do that. And then the NFL gave him a ridiculous suspension yeah, given heavy. the situation. And, you know, they, they kind of made something out of it to prove a point to the rest of the players in the league. And Calvin had to eat it for a year. Um, but I'm also of the belief that if, if you go a year without playing football and then you come back to it and there isn't an injury involved, you're going to be just fine. And it's almost like you bank that year of your. He's got um, fresh legs, right? He he should. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope he does, but we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see when August comes around. It, I, I expect there to be some unbelievable reports out of Jacksonville. And, and we'll know, we will just know as a fantasy community, just where he is and, and how he is uh, based on those reports. We do have a lot of time to adjust these rankings. We're, we're now, it's March 16th at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and we're talking about projections for the 2023 season. Got to love the life that we live to be able to do this, Dave, uh, and, <laughs> and to be able to have these type of conversations right now in March. Uh, it definitely takes two very dedicated individuals to, to sit here and, and, and discuss rankings in March. Um, let's move along. DJ Moore, wide receiver now for Chicago. Um, a lot of questions for me for DJ Moore. I love the kid, love the talent, always have. He's always been high in my rankings. I had him exactly where you have him. You have him as wide receiver 22. That's where I had him prior to the trade. After the trade, 
I moved him down to wide receiver 29. I even gave the A.J. Brown effect, and what I mean by this is the bump in efficiency in the offense. One, from a passing perspective, I gave him a lot more passing attempts. I gave them uh, a lot more total plays in general, just being able to you know have more efficient downs and, and be able to complete uh, drives a little bit more here in Chicago. Even with the efficiency increase, I still had a reduction in fantasy points for D.J. Moore. Tell me I'm wrong here and why he's going to be able to break that mold. Uh, I don't know if I can tell you that because <laughs> my problem with DJ Moore is finding receivers who I'm more comfortable drafting than him because I, I see the, 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 the downside to DJ Moore just like you do going to Chicago's offense. Well, they threw even less on a attempt per game basis than Carolina did last year. Yep. And Justin Fields was either last or second to last among 31 quarterbacks with at least 275 pass attempts in completion rate, um, attempts per game, both in and out of the red zone. And he was very high and off target rate. So is, is, does DJ Moore automatically make Justin Fields a more accurate passer? I mean, I would expect his completion rate to go up. I don't know if it's going to go up five percentage points, but I also know that old habits die hard. And when Justin Fields is under pressure, he runs. He's going to take off. And it's great. And it's great for Fields. Yeah, is DJ Moore a good blocker? Because that, that'll help Justin too. But it doesn't really help DJ Moore. So my issue isn't so much that DJ Moore is 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 a bad fantasy pick. It's who are you, who are you taking over him? And the names I look at both Chargers guys, I'm not sure how I feel about them. I'm not sure if I can take those guys both unequivocally ahead of DJ Moore. Um, Christian Watson catching passes from Jordan Love. Can I take him over DJ Moore? And so I, I, I look at DJ Moore as a number two wide receiver in fantasy. That's been about what his ceiling has been. He's never, ever been a top 12 wide receiver in PPR points per game. In fact, he's finished outside the top 24 in PPR points per game each of the past three years, I think the quarterback play that he's dealt with has been a factor. I think not being relevant in the red zone has been a factor. I think he helps. I, I think he helps fields in two ways. Number one, I think DJ Moore is good at making himself open. So yeah. when a play breaks down, when that first read is gone and Chicago is really good at designing plays in the red zone, Justin Fields was awesome in the red. He was first in red zone completion rate. He was first in touchdown rate in the end zone. He attempted only 33 passes in the red zone. He completed 22 of them, and 12 of the 22 completions were touchdowns. Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator there, schemed him up marvelously. But when things broke down, Justin Fields was a mess. And it was that way everywhere on the field, not just in the red zone. And so I think the one area, one of two areas where DJ Moore will help is in that area. He can make himself available. He'll know what to do in the scramble drill to be that target, and hopefully that leads to a career high in touchdowns to DJ Moore. I'm just not banking on him getting much more than that six to eight touchdown range, which is where he lived last year. The other area where I think DJ Moore can help out a lot more is, is in that intermediate area of the field, the non-red zone. When, when the Bears need 10 to 15 yards, I think that's going to be the target. I think he will be the target. He doesn't have a great track record on throws of 10 to 19 air yards downfield. I'm talking about, I could be talking about both guys here, but I'm really talking about DJ Moore. His catch rate last year was under 50% on those throws. That's, that's not good. 
But I still think that that's going to be an area where the Bears are going to try and make DJ more um, impactful in their offense because they didn't have that go-to guy last year at wide receiver when it was third and nine or second and 10. So those two things make me believe that DJ Moore can still work his way to 80 plus catches, still get over a thousand yards. Uh, And like I said, the touchdowns are between six to eight and that's good enough to be a number two wide receiver, but a low end one. I want to do an impromptu section here or segments on the, on the clock. Okay. I want to list off a few names, rapid fire. You tell me yes or no that you would take them ahead of DJ Moore. Let's do it. All right. So we have, how about um, Debo Samuel? Did you take As of now, of- Debo is one spot ahead of DJ Moore in my rankings. Okay. Terry McLaurin. Behind DJ Moore. Christian Watson. Behind DJ Moore. Michael Pittman. Definitely behind DJ Moore. Mike Williams. Behind DJ Moore. Amari Cooper. Ahead of DJ Moore. Chris Godwin. In PPR right now, he's ahead of DJ Moore, but man, that's in pencil. Okay, last two. Tyler Lockett. Behind DJ Moore. That's just playing the odds. Evans is also behind DJ Moore, and that's playing the odds. If those guys were younger or if I had more confidence in their quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. they'd be ahead of them. Yeah, my other concern with DJ Moore is snap share, right? We saw a league leading number one throughout the first like five weeks last year. He ended up finishing number two in the league in snap share receiver position, 96.3%. I would assume that number is going to come down based upon um, the weapons now they have in Chicago. And by all means, they're nothing to be boasting about, but it's much better than what we saw inside of Carolina last year. Do you expect him to be in that high 90s and snap share percent again? Or do you think it's going to be settling in the 80s to maybe low 90s? They'd be dumb not to. Yeah, I, we, we can agree. Uh, who, as a talent. who are you taking him off the field for? Okay, if it's if it's fourth and one and you've got six offensive linemen and three tight ends and a quarterback and a running back, I get it. But why in the world would you not use DJ Moore compared to who else you have at wide receiver? Fair point. Let's let's go to the next receiver. Let's talk about Jamison Williams. So he's coming out of college, rookie sensation, of course, missed a large portion of last year because of that, that knee injury. Uh, came onto the scene, burst out for that long touchdown. Uh, we are expecting DJ Chark now gone in Detroit, which opens up the gates for Jamison Williams. They also, though, however, bring in David Montgomery. We'll see how that plays in the mix here with the target share. I have Jameson Williams as as my wide receiver 42. You have him as your wide receiver 33. What do you expect from Jameson Williams in his sophomore campaign? I expect the opportunity to be a breakout receiver for fantasy. We saw the flashes last year, Billy, of of that speed from Jameson Williams, the way that he can outrun a defense. And I know we get squeamish about Jared Goff as his quarterback. I think Goff is is a, a, I don't think he gets enough credit as a quarterback when he's cool in the pocket. He's when sneaky he's offensive good, line. Yeah. Like, and then that's one of the best offensive lines in football. And so Goff has time to drop back and then unleash a, a 30 yard pass right into the waiting hands of Jamison Williams. I, I would expect Detroit to do kind of something similar to what I said about Sean Payton. What does this kid do best? And that's just make, you know, make plays after the catch and outrun people. I don't think this is the guy that you want to throw seven yard slants to. This is the guy that you're going to scheme up on double moves, go routes. I've, I've mentioned that now like four times in a minute. I'm annoying like that, but I, that's what he does. That's what he's good at. 
and don't overload them. And so if you remember the Christian Watson effect in the second half of last year, I think Jamison Williams can give you that for a whole year. And you don't have to bet on him doing it with a pick in round five because he won't, you, you won't need to do that. You can wait until round seven, round eight, if you want to. I don't mind if, if it's like the last pick around six, I would consider taking him that high because I believe in the talent and I think the opportunity will be there. Uh, and I just, I, I kind of want, I, I, huh. Billy, I've never said this sentence before in my life, but I'm going to say it. I want pieces of the Detroit Lions offense. <laughs> I placed the that before, but I, but it's how I feel. I like what they're doing. I was a year early. I placed a hundred dollar bet on them winning the division last year because I saw oh. everything coming together. I love the mentality that Dan Campbell brought to the team, you know, the, the bite a kneecap, you know, and, and tear your opponent down. I, I'd love to see that grit that he brought to this team. And you could tell that he was building a culture of change inside this Detroit locker room. And it, it was, it was happening and it was contagious. And we saw it. In, in action last year, the first half of the season, I said, oh, crap, I just threw away $100, right? But then we saw the second half of the season, and it was a tale of two sides. And we saw what I expected of this offense throughout the entire year. What did they win, like five or six straight? I don't remember the number, but it Something was... Something like that. They were hot. Yeah. And they needed one more game to be able to have a playoff berth. And I expect that momentum to carry over. I still expect that grit of this team and that mentality to win, to carry over. Love the fact that they brought in another piece after losing Jamal Williams and by all means, a better running back by, by standard. Love the fact that they have a full year now with Jamison Williams. Amon Ross St. Brown has become just a wonderful prospect. It's, it's been amazing. Yes. What they have done inside as a, from a GM level, as well as a coaching perspective is, in my opinion, one of the best sets of movements in the last two or three years in the league. And I'm excited to see it here in 2023. I will once again be putting $100 on the Lions to win the division. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, and you, I, I like your chances a lot better this year than last year. What, what, that, what that exercise taught me, what, or what that story told me, is that, and I'm just taking what you did with the Lions bet and what you did in the Kings Classic, you're a visionary, man. I try to you do, do a really good job of seeing into the future and getting an idea of like what's next to come. And man, that's a valuable trait. I need to drink what you're drinking so <laughs> I can get a little bit better at that myself. But it's uh, wine at 10 p.m. is what it is. It <laughs> opens up the creative juices. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> Honey, break open the, the bottles. We have no bottles. Um, I, I think that I, I think that we're kind of on the same page here. Just when, when you look at Jamison Williams, you're going to be drafting him among the wide receiver threes. Which wide receiver threes are you going to look at and say, eh, he's, he's, he's good, but he might not be so great. Like I kind of put Christian Kirk in that box now because Calvin Ridley's there. I don't think there's a real good chance of Christian Kirk repeating what he did last year. Um, I was a big fan of Traylon Burks coming out. I think his ceiling is like right in the middle of that wide receiver three range. Brandon Ayuk, we don't know where he's going to end up playing. We know that he's been a frustrating fantasy wide receiver. Marquise Brown, same exact thing. George so Pickens. I look at Jamison Williams as, as a guy that I can draft among those wide receiver threes, and he's just got upside that blows them all away. And so I'll take a chance on that. 
in that round. Let's call it round seven is where it's it's a good spot for Jameson. Hey, I think can I drink me- Jameson at 10 p.m.? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> it's just the creative juice. You got to just find find what works for you. And I might be asleep by 10, 15. <laughs> you got to start at noon then. You got to start early, I guess. Yeah. We have, um, I guess for me, trying to, trying to, and I hate to say it's, you know, it, I like the word visionary, but I'm always trying to look ahead and saying, okay, what is this individual strength? What is this, what is this coaching scheme? What do they typically do? Right. And try it's to me, it's like solving the matrix. Right. And you're trying to piece these puzzles together to try to get a overview or synopsis, big picture view of each team. And then from there, I try to say, well, how does this fit into their schedule? How does this fit into, you know, the offense and what they're trying to accomplish? And, you know, it's don't get me wrong. It drives me mad at times. And sometimes you're completely wrong. Like my tight end rankings last year. Like Um, I don't want to talk about it, but. You know. It, it has its benefits, but it also has its downfalls of trying to to look too far into the future. I think, though, you've convinced me that I'm too low on Jamison Williams because I agree with everything you said about him. I loved him coming out of college. The injury was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Love the offense. Love what they're doing. And I think I'm too low on Jamison. So I think my rankings will adjust based upon this conversation. Um, last receiver I want to talk about, and it's kind of a large pool of maybe players that we have to talk about because it affects a lot with this team. We talked about the team earlier, but that's the New York Jets. But I want to talk about Elijah Moore in particular here. So he's moved down in my rankings with the signing of Alan Lazard. Um, he's my wide receiver 59. Where does he fall in your rankings? Oh, I don't know if I've got him even as a top 60 receiver. Let yeah, didn't I... didn't see him in your top 60. So uh, I, assume I currently have him at 64. So we're close. Okay. So we're at least in the same ballpark here. 59-64, splitting hairs this late in the draft. I think we can agree that he has the talent to far surpass this ranking. That being said, how do we expect this wide receiver course to to break down? We know that we have Wilson, who's going to be the unquestioned one. We have Lazard now, who's been brought into the equation. We're expecting Rodgers to be official here sometime in in the near future. Elijah Moore would be inside the slot, but now they're talking about bringing in, you know, the, the corpse of, of Randall Cobb. How does this shake down inside this jets offense? And I know there's a lot of uncertainty at the, at this team in general right now with, you know, the looming injury of, of Brees hall, the pending, the pending signing of Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot to balance inside of our, our vision here, but where do we expect Elijah Moore to fit into this puzzle? Which puzzle is he in? Visionary. Billy the Visionary Museo. I think he's going to be the lead slot receiver. I do think, though, if they if they go out and I, I don't know why they're going to do this, but if they go out and sign Cobb, I, I look at it as Rodgers wants a friend more than he wants another slot receiver. And I think that he's bringing him on as that veteran presence and that friend that he can talk to, rely on in situations that he knows that he can go to that guy. So I think it definitely hurts Elijah Moore, especially in certain packages, maybe third down packages, red zone packages. But I would expect maybe Elijah Moore to be the receiver in between the 20s and on one and two downs by all means. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I want him on another team. And I think I might get my wish. I wonder if the coaching staff, it, they're making this big change. They're, they're, putting all their, they're putting their money on Aaron Rodgers. They are because okay, if Aaron Rodgers does not work out with the Jets, 
that coaching staff won't be there in two years. So they're going to do whatever they can to keep Rogers comfortable. They've already, they, they, it's almost like they, they pre, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. They tried to make it easy for Rogers to want to go to the jets by hiring Hackett. It's almost yep. the same thing the Broncos did. It just didn't work out for the Broncos. Yeah, they just failed. But Rodgers really likes Nathaniel Hackett for whatever reason. And Rodgers is looking. They, they want to make Rodgers comfortable. And so if they're going to try and wedge in their third-year receiver who has shown greatness on the field, I, you know, I remember those games in 2021 when mm-hmm. he stepped up, but he was also very frustrated and he, he demanded a trade and, you know, there was a media spat between him and the coaches. I don't know if the Jets coaches want that. They don't want to have somebody who could be a liability on or off the field for them. So I wonder if Elijah Moore could be part of the package that goes back to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers, because Green Bay could probably use a slot receiver like that. Yeah. And so I, I think if we cast him as a teamless, but he'll be on a team. It's not like he'll be a street free agent, a waste to pick, but a slot receiver on a team where, you know, if they're running like an RPO spread type of an offense or maybe West Coast, he can work his way to five or six targets per game. He can be 10 to 11 PPR points. You know, I'm, I'm looking for more than that on draft day, especially a wide receiver. Running back, I'll settle for that, no problem. But wide receiver, I, I always think that I can find a wide receiver off the waiver wire that can get me 10 or 11 PPR points in a week. And I bet that that's where we'll find Elijah Moore at some point during the NFL season. And that's why he's not a top 60 guy for me. I love the talent coming out, Billy. I thought that he was so good. And I thought he was really good after his first year. The Jets have told us what they think of Elijah Moore because they drafted Garrett Wilson. And then they really tried to not give, they, they really did their best to not let Elijah Moore become a thing in 2022 when they needed short area targets to help bail out their inexperienced quarterback. And now if, if it's Aaron Rodgers there, why do anything to make Aaron Rodgers upset? We saw how Rodgers got with Romeo Dobbs last year. <laughs> you know, let's not do that again when, when jobs are on the line and stakes are high in New York. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's on another team. If he's not on another team, I wouldn't be surprised if he was literally their, you know, their number three or four receiver, depending on the situation. And he was good for two catches for 20 yards a game. I like the trade piece idea. It's something I've I think it'll save him. It'll save him, Billy. It, it'll save him, number one. But two, it'll also probably help the two sides get closer to this deal being done. Um, I think it makes sense, logically sense, from him to be included in the patch, especially given the the void inside of the target share that they're going to have inside Green Bay. Because I'm looking and doing those projections. It's tough to try to you know, distribute all of these targets on this offense. They're going to need another receiver, you know, and I think that that could very well be Elijah Moore. Um, So I like the call there. Um, Let's talk about one more wide receiver before we call a day, and that's going to be Terrace Marshall, someone who I have always been way too high on in my rankings, and I will notably say that. That being said, as of today, he is slotted to be the number one inside of Carolina. For what that mean, for what that stands for, I guess that's a whole nother debate. But nonetheless, slot to be number one. He comes in as my wide receiver 53. He's outside of your top 60. ECR is at 79. Am I crazy again? 
I'm just not sure he's going to get the opportunity. We, we, we do. You have to imagine that Carolina will try and reshape this receiving core. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and maybe it won't be so bad for Terrace Marshall. And maybe there's a piece of Frank Reich that sees a little bit of Michael Pittman, Terrace Marshall. And, and I don't think that that's a crazy stretch by any means. Uh, he's, he's been, he's been an enigma because when he was coming out, I liked the talent too. And then he went to Carolina and I thought, I remember thinking at the time, Billy, that maybe this was a sign that the Panthers coaching staff didn't love DJ Moore and that they were going to groom Terrace Marshall to be the new number one receiver in Carolina. And uh, that's exactly what's happened. No, it's, it didn't go down quite like that, <laughs> but it's, I mean, I mean, like he should get an opportunity. I like that version by the way, Dave, let's keep Yeah, of, of course. Well, <laughs> the problem is that he could also be the number four receiver in Carolina. That's the reality of the situation for Terrace Marshall. Um, he, he's, he's got the, the, the raw skills to do it. It's just a matter of him translating it and improving his technique and, as he worked on it enough to get there, we saw flashes last year, second half of last year, he had some really good games. I, I just, I don't know if he can be that number one guy, but I will say that if, if Carolina doesn't make huge leaps at the receiver position, he, he'll have a chance. He'll have a chance to be the number one target on the outside for CJ Stroud. So we'll, we can look at Terrace Marshall as somebody who can be worthy of that late round pick. You're, you're always going to get to a point in a draft where you go, all right, I need to get a kicker. I need to get a defense. And so I really only have one pick left uh, to go and spend on somebody that's got crazy high upside. And does Terrace Marshall have crazy high upside? No. Does he have upside to get you? Let's be, let's be conservative, Billy. Uh, 65 catches. Uh, 799 yards and five touchdowns. Does that help your team a lot? I don't know if that in the Kings really classic, it does. Hmm? <laughs> in the Kings what? classic, it does. In the Kings classic, it does. Well, now I know who's going to take him in the Kings classic next year. <laughs> That's done. Uh, and if I want Terrace Marshall, I'm going to have to beat you to the punch in round 11 or something. I'm going to make you reach. Yeah. Make me reach. round two. Give me Terrace Marshall. Um, I, I, I think that he's an okay late round pick, but to give you an idea of how things stand, I've got Elijah Moore ranked ahead of him. Yeah. I wanted to touch base on a few of these, you know, late picks because I like, I think that, you know, in all certainty is Terrace Marshall a league winner. Probably not. Is Elijah Moore a league winner? Probably not. But this late in drafts, they have the upside to definitely outperform ADP which is going to help your team. We've already seen Terrace Marshall start climbing up draft boards. So he's actually in the last week has, has moved up half a round in, in drafts. It's not moving the needle. I'm moving him up right now. I didn't like what I just said. <laughs> uh, he's got to go ahead of Elijah Moore. Yes, he does. He does. I didn't like it. Sometimes <laughs> I got to like say it in order to realize like, and, and in my, I said, it, and then I thought to myself, WTF am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> by not having Terrace Marshall ahead of Elijah Moore. So I had a, I, that's something I can fix in my rank. When I pulled ECR and I saw it, because uh, when I first did this show sheet, Terrace Marshall's ECR was wide receiver 86. And I had a little note to it, WTF, because I'm like, yeah. I cannot think of that many receivers that I'd want in the 80 range ahead of even the 70 range ahead of Terrace Marshall. Um, again, you know, 
I admit I have been high on Terrace Marshall since he came into the league ever since he, you know, was from LSU. And I'd like to see the consistent, I should say the consistent improvements we've seen, right? 2021, only 17 receptions last year, 28 receptions. I think the 60 range is very well within the realm of possibilities. And I think the the raw number that you just spit out off the top of your head is, is a realistic output for Terrace Marshall. And, if they don't go through and completely revamp this wide receiver core, that just might be the floor, Dave. Might be the floor. It could be the floor for sure. Uh, just one other idea to put in your head. Do we have the right Panthers receiver? Could Shy Smith be the guy? Or LaVisca. Could Shy Smith be the guy? <laughs> that could uh, that could be the, the one to get in this Carolina offense. You hear that, LaVisca? Dave said no. <laughs> No, I'm not a LaVisca truther, I think. No, no. I'm, I I, I kind of saw it when he was in college, but <laughs> I, I've just never been crazy about him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that concludes our, our rankings discussion here, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed um, us meeting of the minds and and being able to have this this discussion in order to help me identify maybe some some missed opportunity in my process. I'm, I've already moved up Jamison Williams in my rankings during our, our, our time discussion. Sure. And I moved up Terrace Marshall. Uh, look at that. Uh, we're help. It's, you know, iron. Iron sharpening iron here on yes. the projection show. Um, why don't you tell the listeners where to find you, what you're working on, and and uh, just give them the deets. Uh, you can find all of my work on cbssports.com, and you can watch us on CBS Sports HQ. It's the 24-7 streaming home of CBS Sports, and we're also on, at times, on CBS Sports Network on your cable provider channel. What the hell am I trying to say? You know what it is. Uh, wherever you get your cable, if you're still getting cable, we're there too. And these days, I'm working on the NFL draft. I'm studying the prospects. Um, I, I've done my work on three of the four top quarterbacks, getting into it with the wide receivers a little bit more. And by the time we get to late April, I'll have some real good ideas on which players will help you in Dynasty, some sleepers along the way. And of course, that'll help in redraft too. So if you're looking for another podcast or another show to watch, Look for Fantasy Football Today. That's our podcast. That's our live show on YouTube. It's also our show on CBS Sports HQ. And my challenge to everybody watching, the next time there's big breaking news in sports, it doesn't have to be just football, go to CBSSportsHQ.com. It's free. It can come on any device that gets Wi-Fi. And it's one click. You don't even have to give your email address. Certainly no money to watch CBS Sports HQ and get the breaking news, smart analysis that goes with it, from the resources and tools that CBS Sports has, cbssportshq.com. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, loved getting a chance to talk with you. Also enjoyed meeting you in person and drafting with you the Kings Classic. Yes, Thank you, everybody, you. for tuning in. We'll see you all back here next week with Matt and I picking up on the Dominator. Till then, have a good night. Paris Marshall. 
Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.